welcome to another episode of Books, Kids, and Creations with Tracy Bloom. I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Florenza Lee, who is a very, very prolific author. Um, she is a mentor, a speaker, a coach. I mean, this you are one of the brightest people on this planet, I think, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, I am so excited to be here with you. It seems like we have been talking about this forever, and it's so awesome to finally be able to do it. So yes. thank you. Yes. And um, I know that, um, you know, so a little backstory for those of you who, do, who don't know, but Florenza and I actually met long ago through, um, I looked at another website and I said, huh, there's another author out there whose work comes to them in dreams. And I thought, I gotta talk to this person. So um, talk a little bit about how you um, got into writing and how you how you got off the ground, how you got started. Yeah, and I love when that's the first question because it lets me kind of get it out the way and then people can continue to listen to me and think, okay, she really is normal. Um, January 31st, 2014, it was a Saturday. And I woke up just like any other Saturday, expecting just to kind of hang out and do some things around the house. And all of a sudden, it was just this wave came over me that I just needed to start writing. And so within an hour and a half, I wrote what would become 12 children's books. And you know the deal. You look online and you research, um, you know, what are you supposed to do with this? Because I had never written. I had never thought about writing. I used to joke about writing, but never really thought about it. And I saw some of the things online as far as pitching to agents and to, um, you know, the, the traditional publishers. And I didn't quite like what I saw in terms of releasing my work and then waiting, you know, three to five, sometimes six years for them to be published. And I truly felt that that was not the purpose that the words were given to me, that they were given to me to do something. And so I just did a quick search on um, um, being an indie publisher, independently published, self-publishing, and that felt like it was the right thing to do. So I bought a thousand ISBNs. I uh, formed my my words upon a publishing company, got my LLC, um, got my business license, and went to sleep feeling really good. It's all of that happened in one day. That is amazing. Like a lot of people take, I mean, all of that can span years, of, yeah. you know, but it seems like when things are ready to happen and things are ready to be brought to life, they just, they just are able to be, bam, just created like that. So yeah, that's really neat. So then a lot of your books, um, and you have several books out there, um, spanning from children's books to adult books and mm -hmm. even have a pen name. We'll Ooh. get into that later. Um, but a lot of your books have really detailed messages that are hidden within the books. So they're not, you know, like in your face and preachy. Um, what are some of what are some of the messages that you like to bring to children, especially when you do author visits and school visits? I think that's one of the things for those who are authors, we realize that the books choose. It's like people say when you have a pet, you don't choose the pet. The pet chooses you. And I really believe that our books choose us. Um, it's all of a sudden, I'll just get a message or a thought about, wow, that would be a great message for children or a great lesson 
for children. And then the words will follow that. So it's kind of like the message comes and taps me on the shoulder and asks, am I in a position to create? And based on the what that message is, you know, then I'll lend over time to say, let me listen to what that story is. And so my messages are everything from mindfulness to um, manners. I have a um, phenomenal book that deals with um, gratitude and meditation. I have books that are on um, SOL. We deal with um, the alphabet. I have one that's um, dealing with numbers. I have one that's on social issues like um, homelessness. It deals with homelessness and the loss of a parent. It also has elements of bullying in there. And um, so I think it's just whatever that message is that wants to be released. It'll come to me and then following that will be the creative thought on how to do it. Um, a lot of times, like 90% of the time, is boom, boom, boom. The words come, the, the images come, the title comes, the cover comes. And then there are other times in which I have to labor for it, in which I will write it. And it's like, that sucks. That's not it. <laughs> yeah. So it's either easy or hard. There's no in between. Well, and I don't know if, if you're like me, but in, in the beginning when I was kind of trying to figure out like what these dreams are, why I'm having them. And then for a long time, it was like, okay, well, if it didn't come in a dream, then I, I better not write it. Mm. Did you ever have anything like that where you, where you were like, okay, I'm going to try to shift into my own and, and just let it come as you're typing almost like, almost like automatic writing in a way, but. Yes, you were the whole part of that fiasco <laughs> that occurred. I had a thought. It wasn't inspired. It wasn't a um, meditation type delivery. It wasn't something when I'm asleep or in the shower where I usually get great inspiration. Something about water, yeah. um, being submerged in water. The thoughts come so purely then. But this particular time, I thought, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to write a book, right? Like on my own. And I knew the thought that I had in mind. I wanted to show parents to set down their, um, their devices and just spend time with their children. And so I thought, well, let me just dabble with rhyming because my best friend, Tracy Bloom, is such a phenomenal rhyme, <laughs> if, if that's the word. And I'm like, let me just try my hand at it. And it sucked. And then I thought, but the idea is still good. So right. I went back again. It still sucked. Kim Norman said, shred that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw like you crying like, shred it. And, and it's always good to have those, those author friends that can give you just that honest, hard feedback i mean shred it is a little a little harsh but you know like every i've tried like you know a little bit reverse there but i've tried to write in your style mm -hmm. i remember that oh this is horrible and like as much as i would try to on rhyme like it just it's, i feel like my mind's like wired that way or something yeah. i don't i don't know but at least you went for it i tried <laughs> why did we both try now, um, with your, okay, so you started off, did you start off doing children's books first? I, when I first started that, well, let me just go back a little bit. Yeah. Words have always been my currency. 
as a child, words were um, my place for healing. It was where I went for safety. It was where I went that made sense to me, either reading books or writing poetry or um, writing down my thoughts. I was never one to have a diary because I always felt that that was ammunition that could be used against you. Mm -hmm. um, so I've never had a diary per se, but words have always been that place that I can go and retreat. And so I started out writing poetry when I was in elementary school. If I entered three poems, I won first, second, and third place. The parents got mad and said she can only enter one. So I would enter one and got first place. And then the school says, well, we're only going to do first place then. If you're going to restrict her, then I'm going to restrict, you know, they restricted the um, the amount of winners um, as a way for me not to be penalized, I guess. And, and I believe once someone else won, but she was, oh, she was phenomenal. <laughs> So um, words have always been that for me, but never in a million years did I actually think that I would one day be a published author. And so when I finally did give way to the thoughts, give way to the nudging, children's books were the way that they were um, revealed then. But when I think back, there were opportunities that adult books were trying to surface, but then I utilize those words from the pulpit or from the platforms, or I utilize those words in speaking, never envisioning that they could have eternal life in, in the written form. And so I, I think I've missed a lot of opportunities um, prior to the children's books coming. It was just those made sense to be in writing for me. So yeah, that's and how cool. I think it's astonishing that you can essentially be a fantastic writer in all these different types of genres of books. And it only takes that, you know, that confidence to, to be like, okay, I'm going to try writing an adult book. I'm going to try writing this chapter book. And then, I mean, sometimes I'm like, Hmm, which one is she better at? Is she better at like, is there one that you, you feel drawn to, or is it just kind of like changes or you just feel with the project one, you just feel drawn to what you're working on at that time. And then something new might come. Yeah, you know, I think it's an evolution. Um, I think you inspired me when you released spark. Oh. And when I saw how that came about and your process of going through it from it being this thought to being a completed manuscript to going in and um, performing surgery on it to where it looked like a murder scene. And then that confidence after the tears to say, no, I can do this. Yes. I was so inspired by you that I thought, you know what? I can do this because I was already in that process of working with um, Nelena Kai and the NK tribe called Success. And she saw in me, I believe what you saw in me from way back Yeah, and hearing it come from someone who is a USA Today bestselling author and Essence Magazine bestselling author and someone who is intimately involved with um, New York Times bestselling authors to say, no, you are really good. You can do this. And so it wasn't so much that I teetered back and forth. I think I never, because I never understood that I am a writer, mm. I didn't see those areas blossoming as they were coming forth and other people did. But once I got hold of it, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Now, I I love and 
and a lot of people don't know this, um, but there are so many powerful female writers out there. And I love the Tribe Called Success group yeah. and the anthologies that you are creating. So with the, um, there were two separate ones, correct? There was the, um, you each had your own, your own books and yours was um, Purpose. Yes. And so that was part of the uh, Mary Hart series. And actually, there are nine books in this series. There are nine separate authors um, who wrote their own books. So any of the books that come through um, the tribe are all standalone, even if they are interwoven with one um, theme. You yeah. may read them all in any order um, independently. You may read one and not others. Um, and so that's the beauty of what Nelena does. That's so different from other anthologies. Other anthologies, you have to read them all or they're little bits and pieces of one book. Yeah, Hers are not. So she empowers the author to be able to have their own merchandise, their own catalog as we're building in the tribe. And so this was actually under my name. So this is the inspirational. This is a spiritual book. It's um, religious based and um, it's just phenomenal. So they're all together. And the one thing that works throughout all of them is that the first part of the book is a fictionalized retelling of a biblical story. Hmm. And then the second half of the book is a retelling of our own personal testimony. It's like a little mini memoir. Yeah. And together you can read the entire book in 90 minutes, all of them. And some of them are even less than that. I love it. And I, I've read that book and I love it. And I, I mean, it's just, you're such a great storyteller and you're also very spiritual. So I think these books, these spiritual books, and I kind of want to say every book that you write is spiritual in some element because it is something that comes to you in your dreams and mm -hmm. In my opinion, that's from a higher power. And then you create these things to empower children, to make the world a better place, to promote lessons of anti-bullying, mindfulness, you know, minding your manners, being kind to others. So I love that in a way, everything you create is spiritual. And there's the um there's such a balance to it, like when I first and I you were again, you were part of this process wow. when I wrote <laughs> it the story of Faith Walker. Yes. And this is a Christian, unapologetically Christian book for young readers. Um, even when I wrote that and I, I remember calling you saying, I don't know if, if I'm supposed to do it this way. Yeah. Because everything else that I had done had this um this beautiful undertone if you will, it was nothing that was offensive. It was nothing that was overt. It was just this beautiful undertone that the child walked away with enrichment, no matter what your beliefs are. You know, I have Muslim friends. I have atheist friends. I've got, you know, friends who are Wiccan. Um, I have Jewish friends. You know, my friend base is so vast. And I wanted to ensure that children were getting the principles of these biblical truths, but in such a way that they wouldn't know it. It's like giving medicine with sugar. You know, old people did that or with some vodka or some rum or whiskey. I think that was what my grandmama gave us. Yeah. 
And so it's just, you know, introducing these truths in such a beautiful way that it's so, and thank you for calling me a storyteller because I think I am that first. Yeah. And I think it's just a way of telling a story with this beautiful undertone that the child walks away enriched, but that it sticks with them from childhood to adulthood because my aim is to make better humans, yeah. no matter who they are. And um, and then also with the other group of books that you were a part of, um, the Queen's series. Yeah. I Okay, so first of all, the cover designer, were they all J.L. Woodson? Because mm -hmm. his... He's like this fantastic cover designer and his work is, I mean, he was the cover designer for Spark for one of yeah. mine and he's just incredible. So if, if you're an author and you're listening and you're wanting a cover designer, J.L. Woodson. J.L. Woodson Studios.com. <laughs> Write that down. He's he incredible. is otherworldly. He, yeah. he is otherworldly to be as young as he is to have insight like he had, but how could he not? His mother is Nalena Kai. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the poor guy was birthed into <laughs> excellence, you know, creative excellence. Yes. He has, a, and I did have an opportunity to speak with him when I was just in Chicago. Oh, you did? And I asked, yes. And I asked him, I said, what is it? What is your aim when you're creating these covers? And because they were all lined up. We had, um, I believe like 12 or 15 huge banners um, like these, but yeah. they had all the covers on them. And I felt like I was on my way into a, a movie theater that each cover looked like a movie poster, right? That it was some um, new movie coming out. And he said that was his intent. He wanted the covers to be these throwbacks of movie posters to where as soon as you saw it, you stopped in your tracks, right. you went back and picked it up and you were like, oh my God, I want to see this. Yes. Read this. So he's phenomenal. Which which part in that, I mean, because there are many books in that anthology as well. Um, which, I guess, which portion of that was yours? So I am writing um, and it will release um, December the 28th is our release date. I Don't quote me to that, but I'm almost positive that's the date. So there is already a pre-existing Kings series, and then there are Knights, and then um, my book that I'm doing is um, a different part of the Queen, the whole Queen series, and I'm doing Queen of Belize. Ooh. But all of these books were birthed out of um, Kings of the Castle, and if you only read one book, it's called Kings of the Castle, and it introduces you to all of these kings in a fictitious castle that's set in two areas. It's in Dubai, and then there's a separate castle that's in Chicago. Oh. And out of that castle, all of these other individuals, that as they come to the castle, they then are recreated in other books. It's kind of... It's kind of like the mother marijuana plant. I wouldn't know this, but I saw it in Weeds and that, that TV show and they had to protect yeah. the mother. Yeah. So it's kind of like Kings of the Castle is the mother. <laughs> and all these other books um, spring forth from it. And there are other anthologies as well that are um, some that have an erotica theme to yeah. them that also spun out from those we have um, a group that's uh, more paranormal. Um, now that was fun. 
writing. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. That was not out yet. Yeah. And so all of them came though from the kings of the castle. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's so exciting, especially when you look at these very powerful, strong authors and all that they create and everyone's style is different, yeah. but it weaves together. I mean, it could essentially turn into a movie or television, a television yeah. series, probably with all the interweaving, but um, it's just really neat how you stepped into that, you know, like you just, you embrace that and you just, I mean, it was like, it was just meant for you. If ever you meet Nelena Kai, you just absolutely cannot tell her no. If, if, if she, and she's the book yeah. whisperer, she's yeah. the person that you call when you want to write a book and she tells you how to do the damn thing. Those yeah. are her words, not mine. I've never worked so hard in my life on a book. <laughs> I worked with her. I was like, okay, okay. Like, I mean, you just want to be better. You want to be better. Every time you talk to her, you're like, am I good enough? And but then you want to say, mommy, did I do good? Right. Like, I was like, is it okay? Do you love it? Do you hate it? You know, like, uh, but yeah, like she's she's a, a coach and a mentor. And it's just, it's amazing that you're a part of this and it's no yeah. wonder it's called a tribe called success it's no wonder so yes and you know that's one of the things that i think you and i have recognized in our journey that perhaps other and, and you're hybrid so you've had the beautiful opportunity of being both um traditionally published as well as recognizing that your power is in being independently published i've only known the independent side but i'm so thankful that coming in i treated it as a business. I started out with it being a business. I formed my LLC. I got my business license. I did all of those things. I brought on editors and illustrators. Um, my illustrators are all over the globe. Yeah. Um, I brought in um, book designers and formatters. I have beta readers. You know, um, you and I both came in knowing that this was more than just something that we would check a box on our bucket list that we came in saying, we want this thing to be forever. Like these are my eternity babies. They're gonna be around forever. And I created them to have um, sustainability and to be able to continue. You know, um, your books and I have all of your books here. I can sit your books on any Barnes and Noble shelf and no one would know that it's independently published versus not being published by the big five. And that's what you want as an independent publisher. You don't want to be so fast to pay the lowest price, especially when it comes to children's books, Yes. where you pay bottom basement clearance prices and then get upset when people won't spend their hard earned money for your bargain basement book. No. <laughs> well, and speaking of cal like high caliber and setting the bar high, your most recent book, which I have right here, um, the illustrations and I know that these took some time yes. to create, but um, I mean, they're just, they look like something out of a, a Pixar movie. Like they're just, look at, I love this little guy. Like he's just the yes. detail and the, and it's not just the illustrations, but it's also the words. And I know how you, you comb through your stories and you edit and you do have beta readers. And I think a lot of people don't realize all that needs to happen to get it to be something like this. I mean, 
this is probably, I mean, I say this about every book you put out. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite of yours. This is my favorite until the next one. And then I'm like, oh, that's my favorite. But this is definitely that high caliber of, of illustration where you're like, I mean, just the yeah, detail. It's phenomenal. It's, it's and your phenomenal. microphone is breaking up just a little bit. It's giving like a feedback to it. Your oh. microphone is. Oh, okay. Uh, and with that book, with Brooklyn Beaver, yes, it took a year for the illustrations. I have a copy of it here. It took a year for the illustrations to be completed. And absolutely, just like you were showing, um, absolutely, just the detail that's in this book. And I am, as you are, a cover snob. Right. And I will send a book back 50 times if that cover is not exactly what I saw. Right. And I didn't do that in the beginning. My first public book, uh, published book, as much as I love it, there are so many things that I would do differently today. And that was my lesson early. Get what you want, no matter how long you have to wait or what you have to pay. Right. And if it means putting it off, there are some books, um, we're doing Okabe. Um, and you know, that book was not cheap to illustrate. And I mean, we've been working on a copy now for what? For as long as I've known you. <laughs> Years. Years. <laughs> it's kind of like my Mary, you know? Right, right. Yeah, but you know, but again, when you put something in print, it's in print. It's in print. Forever. And you can go back and you can have people tweak and redo it. And it's a pain and it's a headache. Yeah. So you want to make sure it's right. And you want to be a snob about it. Be, you know, because it's your, it's your name. It's your book. It's your brand. Yes. Yeah. And I actually had that conversation with one of our first illustrators um, because he's, you know, he is in a different country. And I had to have that serious conversation with him um, because he's illustrated for others. And I had to have that conversation with him that I am a, I am 57. I started writing when I was 50, boys and girls. Let oh. that sink in. My first book came when I was 50. Wow. Um, yes. And I had to have that conversation with him that I am, you know, 57 years old. I'm a black female living in America and I'm independently published. Just by virtue of that three strikes, are against me in the literary world in terms of my books having that sustainability per se. If I would have taken the cheap route, or if I would have taken the fast route, if I would have taken the easy route, then my books would have ended up on the pile with millions of others yeah. that never sold more than a hundred copies to the friends that you begged, yeah. you know, to buy them. And so he and I had that really deep conversation and I just want to show because I know we're we're going to talk about some other things, but it was in terms of creating. Um, let me find it because this is so awesome to create positive images. Let me see if I get that right. Positive yes. um, black images, right, for children to be able to look at and see themselves. And um, my characters aren't just African American. You know, I have. That's another thing that I do. Yeah, I ensure that. My family units are diverse. So if you look at any of my books, you're going to see 
blended families. You're going to see multiracial families. You're going to see multi-generational families. You're going to see children with handicaps or disabilities or all abilities. Yes. Let's say that, correct my language. Um, you're going to see um, facial differences. You're going to see ability differences. They are really inclusive. So, yes. and you have to have illustrators who can capture that. Right. And if they can't, then, you know, you, you find someone who can, because again, it's your work and your brand and that's who you are as a person. You want to include these, you know, these very unified books for everyone to enjoy, yeah. not just one kid who looks a certain way, you yeah. know, so that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And you know how I came to draw, have children in my books at all. Cause my thought coming out the gate was all of my characters would be animals. Oh, right. Right. You remember that? Cause I called oh. you crying. Yeah. I sent my books to a book festival and they mm -hmm. sent them all back because it was an African-American um, book festival. And I thought, well, I'm black and right. I wrote the books. Right. So let me send my Max, <laughs> which is crazy because Max has been purchased in 31 countries. So what better book to send? And they right. were all sent back. And I thought, this has never happened. And they sent me a nice little note saying, we expected to have books with African-American characters. Well, I had never considered that. Right. And I called you and I was like, I don't understand. They sent my book back. Yeah, I know. I remember that. And I was like, but he's a dog. It's a he's book. A dog. And it's a dog, you know, like who doesn't like dog books anyway? And that book is so special. And as you read it, you go, oh, oh, like, you yeah. know, and there's all these lessons interwoven and it's a wonderful book. So now that's 100% dream. I only changed one word. I changed the word really? from bite his tail to tie his tail. Literally every picture in oh. that book was a dream. Uh, Michelle Wynn captured. I had to very detailed. I um, sent her very detailed notes of what I saw in the dream and she captured it all the way down to um, the expression on Max's face, like absolutely captured every single element yeah. of this book. Yeah, so she did a phenomenal job. Wow, see, I didn't, I never get words in the dreams. Oh. Mine are all like, I'm watching them as they're like a movie on a movie screen. And then, you know, I get to see the characters and where they go and what their names are and what time period it is and yada, yada. But it's it's been rare when I get words. Oh, see, I get words. I get I, the colors. I get um, it's like a movie, but it's yeah. a movie with words, a sound. And actually, now um, another friend of ours. Stephanie M. Freeman, who is a, a spectacular writer, and she has a book coming out very soon. Now, her characters actually appear to her like in day time, which they will have to come in day because her characters will make you scared to sleep <laughs> alone at night. But she was sharing in um, um, uh, something of the blood. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but. Stephanie M. Freeman, remember that? Yes. And um, Season of the Blood. Oh. And she was sharing how she had like a two-hour drive that she was driving. And she looked over in her passenger seat and there was just somebody like sitting there. 
And they talked to her the entire way home. And that became this entire book because this character spoke to her in such a way. And I've had that experience where characters and books will be trying to get my attention. Um, the best one was, I'm trying to find it, Mind Your Manners Mia. Oh, yes. I love this, that book, by the way. Yeah, this character kept coming to me. I would be doing other things and I would hear her say, but I want to tell you my story. And I would think, boy, I'm really losing it. Right. And then I would do something and she says, but I want you to tell my story. And finally, I listened, wrote the book in eight minutes. Nothing changed from the eight minutes. And this is really one of my favorite books. I love that book too. And it has good lessons about manners and it has, you know, um, cute characters. I love that book. But I think it's really it's really spectacular how um, these ideas come to various people in, in various ways. And it is almost like, and maybe it is like um, premonitions yeah. uh, connecting with, with God, connecting with, you know, your higher power, whatever. But um, I wonder how many people out there have these abilities, mm -hmm. but they either don't pay attention to them or they shut them down or they think they're crazy or whatever. They don't embrace them. So, you know, part of the, and I know you do a lot of school visits too, yeah. but part of the thing that I do when I do school visits, I usually talk about intuition and I usually mm -hmm. talk about how my dreams are the source for mine, but there's no wrong way to brainstorm. Yeah. And I, I think that through your mindfulness books that allow kids that quiet space yes. to get, you know, receive these ideas. I think it's really important what you're doing. And what, what else is more spiritual than to have a thought in your head and then it becomes tangible? Like this is spiritual. Yes. All of these existed in no other place than in my head. Right. They were thoughts in my head and now they're tangible. And so, yes, creativity is spiritual because we are creating something from nothing. And that's why it's important as well to ensure that those things that we do put in print, that we want to be out there, that we want it to be healing um, and nurturing to the reader. We don't want to ever do anything that's going to um, further cause trauma to a reader or, um, you know, Christ put a reader in crisis, even if they're heavy subjects, you know, we started out talking about my book purpose yeah. and in purpose, I do start out very first part. I love doing prefaces to my books, especially the chapter books and, you know, the novellas. And I give you a beautiful backstory and, and I start out talking about my journey through um, a very difficult time in my life. And um, so I start out with that because I want you to know that this bubbly person that you see in front of you, that this came, I had to grow this, you know, um, I didn't just wake up. Well, I did wake up fabulous, but you know, you don't just come out the gate. Well, yes, we did. It doesn't always happen that way. Right. Well, but a lot of people don't, I, I think that you do an excellent job at examining things that are hardships and growing from them and finding ways not only to just grow from them, but to empower others mm -hmm. to take similar steps. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that you've been through in your life, very hard mm -hmm. situations, 
you use those as stepping stones. And I think that 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 alone is really powerful. Yeah. And I yeah. think those are the people who are very successful. Yeah. Those who examine it. I know when we first when I first started, you know, I um, I had you that I was able to bounce things off of. I had Kim Norman and she is um, internationally known and um, she's at a level that, oh, my gosh, I one day hope to be. And, um, you know, she told me it's OK to have a message or you know, this deep thing that you want to share in your children's book, but children just want to be entertained first. And so how are you going to present that message in such a way that they don't know that they're getting this beautiful message? And the best way that I describe that to children when I'm doing school business is I ask them to tell me what they know about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And they always say, oh, well, he was a reindeer. Oh, it was Christmas. Oh, he helped Santa. But then I ask them to look at some of the deeper lessons that you learn through Rudolph. We talk about bullying, we talk about acceptance, we talk about purpose, we talk about you know um, creativity, we talk about the power of, of your words, we talk about assertiveness. Yeah. You know, We talk about those things because those are all the beautiful elements that's um, embedded in that story that we don't realize when we're children, but as adults, we go back and we're like, oh my gosh, that was some deep stuff. Right, you know? right. How did they put all that in the story of a reindeer with red shiny nose? Yeah, that's good writing. It, oh, beautiful writing. <laughs> beautiful, yes. So um, let's see, what else is on the horizon for you right now? So I know you always have a bunch of things on your plate, like you always have several projects you're working on. What are what are some near and, and future things that you're doing? Absolutely. So we have the third book in the Olivia series. I don't know if you guys can see this. So um, all of my books are very interactive and engaging. You're not just going to read to your child. The child has to find something, do something, see something, shout something, jump something, read something blows they have to do something something i don't want reading to ever be boring and the third book in the olivia series is um being finalized i did see all the final sketches absolutely phenomenal i think i sent you that email i was like oh my god yes, yes and they do look great yes and so that's coming out um the okape is coming out um that book is actually done um, so Fanya Del Hart is um, Del Art is yeah. sending the final to me. I'm super excited about that. We are also doing um, Two Bees in a Hive, which is my book that deals with um, siblings um, when one of the the children um, has a mental health disorder, and I show that children don't see that; they just see their brother, their sister, and so that's a very deeply embedded message in that book. Um, we are about ninety percent done. With that one, um, we're still working on a cafe, Land of the Secret Sea Keepers, just Ooh. trying to decide if we're going to keep that as a, a early reader chapter book with illustrations. I just can't chop it down. So it's hard doing that. It is. <laughs> um, and then, of course, on the adult set, I am working with Nalena Kai with um, the NK Tribe Called Success. Um, the Queen series will be released, the Mary Hearts series will be released um, where I'm part of the pleasure series, which um, was born out of one of her books. Um, and then from that, nine books came from it and I'm book I'm 80 days. So it's um, 92 days that this couple was together and she broke it down into nine 
books that each cover a 10-day period. My book oh. is set in um, Germany at one of my favorite castles there in Schweinstein, um, which is where um, Walt Disney got his version for um, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Oh. So that book is coming out very soon. Um, and then I'm hoping to do some projects on my own that are chapter books for children because I really want to grow that part. But I'm so um, busy with the with the books that are under my pen name. I think it's probably going to be this time next year before I can really, really, really dab into that. And I just really want to grow right now. Yeah. In that field. Yes. So. And also something I didn't even cover on is that you've done some some big festivals, big yeah. book festivals, because you you empower other authors, you help lift other people up. And so um, I know COVID kind of put a damper on some of that, but um, hopefully since we're now both in Ohio, um, we can do a big festival maybe next year. And I'm hoping to bring, so for those who know, I did um, start a festival in Virginia called the Hampton Rose Indie Author Book Festival. At one point, we had 250 authors that were slated to come out. We had um, 175, I think, at the um, one before COVID hit. Um, that one is continuing on there. Reach Reads, um, which is a reading of riches all children, a nonprofit that um, provides free books to our underserved communities. They have taken over the Hampton Roads Indie Author Book Festival, and I am in the process of creating a new festival for this area. And most definitely, will be letting you know so that we can get everyone together under one roof and celebrate literacy. Yes. Yes. Well, Florenza, you, as always, are just a delight to talk to. And I'm so excited for your work. I'm excited for your career. And there's a reason why you bought a thousand ISBNs on your first day. Like there's going to be years and years of your work to come. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And to all the aspiring writers, get yourself a good mentor not someone who's going to agree with you, but someone who's going to grow you yes. and grow in a process and um, just have fun. There is fun in doing it the correct way. It's not like going to stifle your creativity. You're, it's not like a wet blanket. You're going to have to iron sharpens iron for a reason. And um, you don't even have to know that person. You will meet them in random places like a, a Facebook group, and then you'll become besties and be opposite each other on a on an interview just like this so just get yourself mentors and grow there we are <laughs> <laughs> all righty well have a good night thank you so much you're welcome and guys check me out on florenza.org and yeah. sociotap forward slash florenza it has all of my links there yes check her out all of her work 